<laughs> the scene in Critters where, uh, there's a scene in Critters where, um, the aliens transform. just talking into the mic. I don't think anyone needs to hear it. No, I think <laughs> they need to hear about this. Do you guys want to hear Brandon describe the Critters movie he watched last night? Yeah. I, I apologize to anyone who has better taste in this. Uh, in, in the film Critters 2, uh, there's a scene, there's shape-changing, um, bounty hunters in it. And the shape-changing bounty hunters, they just have to look at something and they become that. And there's a scene where they find a Playboy magazine on the street, and uh, and a guy holds it up to the shape-changing bounty hunter, and he transforms into the... He, he shrinks and becomes the Playboy playmate, but his clothes all rip off, and he gets like a space bikini. It's really subtle and classy. But the, the good part about it is, because he's getting it from the image of a Playboy magazine, he has to pull the staple out of his navel when he becomes the woman. So Critters 2 is an excellent film. That's, that's a lot of attention to detail on that. Yeah. They're really good. There's four Critters movies. Four? Yeah. And I'm halfway through. Have you ever watched them before? No. So why Critters, Brandon? Uh, I, I watched Hobgoblins the other day. And I felt like I was like... Um, it was like... it was Watching Hobgoblins without seeing Critters is like... It's like having a veggie burger and never having an actual hamburger. I wanted to know like where they're coming from. It's like Transformers and what was the other one? GoBots. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so I think I think someone will go down and get Brian for this thing. Me and Ro me and Robin were having serious debates on how to pronounce the Black Panther author's or the, the writer's name. Does anyone know? Hey, Brian. We're just trying to entertain people. I don't know if they're entertained. Uh, we were trying to clear the room before you got here. <laughs> How's it going? How's it going, man? We're going to surround you here. What's up? Ah, both sides. How's it going, guys? <laughs> it's been doing stuff for years. Yeah. <laughs> years. Didn't come. Didn't get birthed out of Zeus's forehead. <laughs> yes. uh, how do you pronounce Coates' first name? We were just talking about. Uh, um, it's um, Tanahase. Tanahase. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna forget that immediately. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Tanahase. 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 Mm -hmm. Am I getting it? Okay. Uh, okay, so I'll introduce ourselves. Uh, at the end there, I have my good friend, Brandon Graham. Um, I talked Brandon into joining me today because I always like doing interviews with Brandon uh, because he's very thoughtful and most of the time more thoughtful than I as far as discussing things with artists as he is an artist himself. Cool. Uh, he will be signing afterwards at the Comic Legends Legal Defense Fund table if you want to bug him. Awesome. And our uh, guest, our spotlight, Brian Stelfreeze. Uh, Brian, who will know from the new Black Panther comic. I put it on here, but it kind of reflects the middle. That's because it's shiny. It's shiny. Do you have any in your table? Huh? No. Well, they have a bunch at the Legal Defense Fund. There we go. The Comic Legends Legal Defense Fund. Our good friend Leonard Wong will be there to uh, take your money. Uh, and are you going to be signing after the... Hmm? Yeah, I'm going to be um, signing at, uh, at my table. Let me get you. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to be uh, signing at my table, and it would be really cool if I knew the number of that table. B39. B39. Nice. There we go. Bingo. Mm. Uh, and I'm Robin, and I host the comics podcast Ink Studs uh, out of here in Vancouver, uh, where I interview comic book creators.
characters of all sorts. Uh, and so Kevin, the guy that runs the comics and the things here, asked me a couple of days ago if I want to do this, and I said, hell yeah, because um, I've been enjoying Brian's work for a number of years. Uh, back in the day when I worked at a comic store in the 90s and those wonderful Shadow of the Bat covers. Awesome. Yes. Um, I really liked that run of Shadow of the Bat. At one point they had Dave Taylor drawing in the inside too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it went through um, a bunch of uh, different different artists. Uh, in fact, I, I was I was pretty much the guy, you know, and everyone else sort of switched in and out. And uh, and that was that was actually a, a lot of fun. Uh, when uh, Denny O'Neill uh, started that series when he was at DC, and and I thought that that was such a cool idea because uh, the plan was doing stories of Batman's effect on people, which I thought was a kind of a kind of a neat idea. Oh, I didn't know that was the conceit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was just an issue of Robin crying in the shower. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean me or yeah, just you? <laughs> I, I was interested in going going way back and talking about your early work because I was talking yesterday with you about how. Um, how I read Psychops when it was yeah. coming out, and mm-hmm. was that your was that your first? That was uh, first that was my work? absolute very first work in, in comics. How, how did that come about? Mm-hmm. Um, I was when I was a kid, I was really into comics, and comics kind of like gave me the inspiration to start drawing. Um, but uh, my dad was military, so we'd constantly move around, and uh, and we were in South Carolina of all places, and there was no comic book shop anywhere near where I lived. So I fell out of comics and became an illustrator. But I always wanted to be a comic book artist, and uh, and I put together a few Captain America sample pages, went to a convention, and um, the first guy I talked to hired me to to do that. Oh, nice! And uh, and and my plan was, oh, I, I like comics. I always wanted to do a comic book. I'll do one comic book, and and that'll satisfy that yeah, urge. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I had so much fun doing that. I mean, it was just so amazing, and it brought all the love back. You know, sort of as a as a kid, and and it was like you know, sort of just a drug. And uh, and after I did that one comic, uh, I did like another comic book, and then I did a few covers, and then I got a call from Denny O'Neill, and that was like my fanboy dream come nice. true. And uh, and I've I've been hooked on comics ever since. Were you did you was Captain America a big deal? Did you were you latching on to specific artists or characters when you were younger? Mm-hmm. Um, well, for me, oddly enough, it was uh, it was always Batman. I was a really big Batman fan. Um, not only Batman, but the whole Batman family. I really even loved the uh, the Titans, the uh, the Perez Wolfman run on that. Oh, those are fun. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, just really uh, into that stuff. And um, and especially, again, it was a fanboy moment when Denny O'Neill called. I mean, Denny O'Neill was my favorite Batman writer, right. uh, and wrote some of the best Batman stories even to this day. I'm interested in, in you and in when you were very young, if if craft was something you noticed, because it seems like something that is very much stands out in your work is that uh, it's, it's hard to find uh, things of yours that aren't, I don't know, it, flawless is a hard way, is it? <laughs> <laughs> like you're, it's, it's obnoxious as, a, as an artist because your work is very, uh, it, it, you were know, joking when you shouted about coming out of the four industries, but your early work was very, was very polished oh, and very form. much you. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm, I'm, I'm a crazy tinker. Uh, it's, it's like, um, I mean, Primarily, where I grew up was uh, was coastal South Carolina, uh, and it's like the land that culture and education forgot. Uh, so, so what was uh, what was really? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you need some redneck, oh, I'm, I'm, if you need I'm, some redneckery, I have no I, doubts right now. Yeah. I, I, 
Yeah. I spent a month in a trailer in South Carolina. Oh, so sorry I, about that. Man. Yeah, no, but you probably you got the full ambiance. <laughs> yeah, of South Carolina. <laughs> there's there's things there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> meaning meaning there are things there. Yes. I'd never seen cotton before. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah. And I was so. My family upset. has a history with uh, cotton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, um, but like, um, but you know, uh, one of the cool things is, uh, is I was always, uh, and and it's, it actually became an inspiration for Wakanda, um, mm-hmm. where I grew up, was um, it's a Gullah community, and uh, and the Gullah people are, sort of some of the first freed slaves that sort of went off on this island, in South Carolina, and kind of stayed there on their own and yeah, weren't really bothered by the rest of the people. It was like a self-sustaining mm-hmm. community. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, and. To, to a certain extent, they almost have their same language. It's more of a patois than it is a, a language. Um, but my uncles were just these crazy, like, engineers. I mean, they'd make a pile driver out of trees and stuff like that. So it was kind of cool to grow up in, in that culture. Mm-hmm. And it was like storytelling and tinkering was pretty much what everyone did. Uh, and I was interested in art from an early age. And I didn't have any idea what oils and acrylics and all this stuff was. I just would look at it and try to figure out what they were what they were doing. I got it all wrong, but what I did manage to figure out kind of worked for me. So by the time that you were doing it professionally, was there any formal training? Mm-hmm. Um, no. Uh, um, by the time, uh, when I was doing it technically professionally, I was in uh, grade school. I started um, as an uh, newspaper, uh, doing newspaper editorials mm-hmm. at the uh, at the local paper. Was it still in Carolina? Yeah, yeah. This was uh, still in Carolina, and I did I did that stuff from um, seventh grade up until I graduated uh, from high school, and went to Atlanta, the big city, to make it good. Right, and you're still have you have you left Atlanta since? Mm-hmm. Uh no, no. I Atlanta is is everything I need. So uh, so I kind of hang out there. I nice. keep threatening to move to Vancouver, but uh, it's, it's very nice up here. But Atlanta's don't, don't nice let too. the rain today oh. give you an opinion of Vancouver. It's like this all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I think um, I think with um, the thing that brought me to art is uh, is just really I I always got a kick out of it. I mean, there weren't any artists around. Uh, well, my brother, uh, who's like about. 10 months older than I am. That's just how military leave worked out. Um, <laughs> and and um, what's, uh, what's cool is, uh, is he was, uh, he was uh, what I would call, like he had God-given talent. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just this guy that could just extemporaneously draw. I mean, he was anointed with some oil at birth and he could do whatever he wanted to do. And I was his little brother. And, uh, and my thing was, looking at his stuff and trying to figure it out so that seems like kind of an archetype for professional artists is having somebody who is better than them to kind of <laughs> shoot oh yeah for. yeah yeah he was he was almost like it was kind of like the the mozart salieri right. <laughs> you know, sort of thing where he could just do it Does and i was he, just like Ugh. did he continue doing art oh no no he became a security guard mm. you know <laughs> so there's an art in that maybe. yeah yeah so it's a, it's it's a really different thing right mm-hmm. huh interesting so was Atlanta where you uh, hooked up with kind of the Gaijin studio? Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, uh, it, it was kind of cool. Uh, Carl Story, uh, who's an inker, and Adam Hughes and I, we... Uh, it's really a shame that he's not a writer with that mm-hmm. name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he's a uh, we we all we all hooked up at uh, at a convention in uh, in Charlotte, uh, the Heroes Con, and uh, and this is where I first first uh, met met Adam Hughes, and you know we were just like had all like taken like a big list of sketches we had to do, and Adam just kind of said, hey, why don't we come to my room and and we'll just work all night. So we sort of set up in Adam's room and we're like working and talking and having a great time and sharing techniques and and it was just absolutely amazing you know we kind of kept each other awake for 72 hours <laughs> throughout the whole convention doing nothing but uh, but sketches and uh, and it was such a wonderful experience uh, that every once in a while Adam would have like just a monster deadline and he would call up and he'd go I'm driving down from Jersey you know sort of uh, have a desk ready for me oh, so nice. I'd like set a desk up in my studio and he'd drive down for the weekend and uh, and Carl would come up and I'd help him inking and we just kept doing this over and over and over again and finally like one of us said why don't we just get a place you know and and just all work out of that place and uh and, and you guys must have been pretty young back then right? yeah yeah we were um all like um just in our 20s yeah you know, at the uh, at the time so, so this is May's agency era mm -hmm. yeah he, he had just gotten uh onto Justice League at the time uh so uh, so it was kind of it was really kind of cool the three of us uh, then invited uh, Cully Hamner and Tony Harris and eventually Dave Johnson and uh, you know just a whole bunch of uh, like great guys came through the studio. Oh yeah, something I dug up was the uh, the Venus Wars covers. That oh you yeah, 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 yeah. I did that with Dave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was such a bizarre because I those that was a that series was a big deal to me when it was coming out and. And it was one of those things where I knew those covers, and then eventually I noticed the signatures on them. Uh, like, those guys have been around that long? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been around forever. <laughs> but I assume that was one of those kind of Gaijin Studios. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that was uh, one, of the, one of the great things about the, uh, about the studio. Carl, Carl said that, um, that the best thing about the studio was that with all the other guys in the studio, you were kind of shamed into doing your best work. Uh, and, and it's really kind of cool. I mean, if... If I could just drag myself to the studio and get there and look at Adam Hughes' desk, he was doing something amazing. And that would make me go, oh, screw that guy. <laughs> Does that become difficult on speed, though? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's why all of us are slow. Okay. Yeah, we blow deadlines left and right. Yeah, but I guess it, it, it almost comes back to what your, uh, what your goal is. Mm -hmm. yeah. If your goal yeah. is pretty pictures, then sometimes the deadlines aren't as attractive. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and uh, one of the things that I thought was really cool about Gaijin, and, and all of us have extended this even um, now that Gaijin's uh, disbanded, is we were all into the craft. Mm -hmm. you know, we were all into the craft of storytelling. We were all into the craft of picture making. Uh, it was a great situation in that um, every once in a while, someone would come into the studio and go, oh, I just heard this technique that Renoir uses. <laughs> and then he would explain it to the rest of us, and all of us would like, you know, adapt it and try to see if we can make it work. And then we'd all kind of share it back and forth. And back and forth. Was there any kind of crossover in work? Like, mm -hmm. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of crossover. Um, like, uh, I was an illustrator. Uh, even though I did my first comic book, I was primarily an illustrator. Mm -hmm. So I was doing cover stuff. and. Uh, it was me hanging out with Adam that really got me into doing interior stuff. Hmm. Really got me into the craft of uh, of doing interior work. And uh, Adam always wanted to paint, so Adam was just like, "Hey, man, you know, 
you got to teach me this painted Correct. stuff. Uh, and and we were all kind of in, Cully brought a different uh, style to it because Cully was a caricature artist. Mm -hmm. And Cully, you know, really taught us all about doing caricatures. And everyone in the studio became a great inker because Carl was there. Right. Was Jason Pearson a member mm -hmm. as well? Ah, oh, Jason Pearson. God, that guy's just like, he's like a stick of dynamite. I mean, he's so incredibly talented and, uh, and brought, brought such an energy to the table. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and again, he's a guy that's had massive influence on me and I've had influence on him as well. Yeah, I definitely see uh, uh, kind of a through line for everyone's styles. Mm -hmm. and yeah, yeah, and that's, that's the, uh, the neat thing is I don't think we, we're clones of each other, mm -hmm. but we all were influenced by each other. Right, this is the kind of um, the solidity of the work. It seems like you guys too much life drawing going on. There. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of just a, slow it down. yeah, a lot of life drawing. And do you guys ever just stop and pose for each other? Oh, all the time. Like uh, if you if you look at our covers, like Jason shows up in in my covers, I show up in some of their books, and I mean we're all over each other's stuff because it's it was so much easier to just go Jay, stand up, pose, you know, and kind of take a picture of. Them. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, did, did was twelve gauge related to Gaijin? Mm -hmm. um, 12 gauge actually came from, uh, and if you if you hang around comic book artists, um, give them about five minutes and they'll start complaining about editors and comic book companies. Uh, and, and there's a friend of ours that lived in Alabama and he would always come up to the studio and kind of hang out and he owned a comic book shop and he would listen to us complain. Uh, and, uh, and one day he came up and he said, okay guys, I'm going to do a comic book company. <laughs> just you know? to shut you up. <laughs> yeah. And basically just like, you guys tell me what you want me to do. And, uh, and that's where uh, 12 Gauge came from. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's still it's, uh, going on, isn't uh, it? Yeah. Yeah. It's still, still going on. Um, we've got uh, a few books. And it was kind of cool because um, he sort of made me the art director. Um, mm -hmm. you know, Cully was a, you know, sort of a, an editor and, and all the rest of the guys had uh, different positions. But, uh, but 12 Gauge is still, you know, I mean, it's about like, I think 15 years old now. Right. But I think uh, it's just been fascinating to me how you guys, it seems like the core members of 12 Gauge all step out and step back in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like even yeah. things like I saw Loose Ends is getting mm. published by Image now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, and, uh, a fantastic and that's, book if you like that's, that's the most recent thing is 12 Gauge is, is doing stuff uh, with, uh, with Image again. Mm. Um, so we've got like a, a number of books coming out. And it's really kind of Southern Gothic uh, stories. To, that's one of the things that we wanted to do with 12 Gauges. Like do the types of stuff that Marvel and uh, and DC uh, doesn't do. You know, I mean DC would do some some of the stuff getting into the Vertigo stuff, but we wanted to do like stories that were like the movies that we wanted to, okay. and not doing superhero stuff. Right? Do you mean do you mean specifically like because it seems like a lot of kind of crime? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's that's the stuff we're all into. Okay. Uh, but like and and it's kind of weird because even when I'm doing Batman. I'm doing Batman as a crime film noir mm -hmm. rather than, you know, a guy in tights like punching people. I think Batman works better that way always. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Huh. It's interesting how I was thinking, um, looking at the new Black Panther, how it just seems like a stripped down Batman when you yeah. do yeah. his costume. Uh, uh, and that's, that's uh, the, the funny thing about, uh, about when I got to do Black Panther and, and uh, the, you know, I'm not a very intelligent guy. So what ended up happening was uh, I was working on Damon mm -hmm. uh, through uh, through Boom, and the uh, Marvel guys called me up and they said, "Yeah, we've got a we've got a Black Panther series we're doing, and we'd like for you to to sort of start the uh, the book off." And uh, and 
uh, and even before they uh, they said it was Black Panther, I said, ah, "Don't don't talk to me about it." And they were like, "What?" And I was just like, "I I don't entertain other books until I'm finished with the book that I'm working mm -hmm. on." So, the last week that I'm working on Damon, I'll give you a call and I'll listen to what you have to say. And, <laughs> and they were, very they were like, reasonable. so when is this going to be? And I was just like, yeah, it, it should be in about a month or so. And <laughs> I was just like, I mean, thinking back on it, man, those guys are insane for doing that. Don't call um, me, I'll call yeah, you. Yeah, so, um, so they were like, and, and the editor was literally like, uh, okay, <laughs> give us a call back then. You know? right. and, um, and when I was uh, on the last week, I just had like, Four pages left uh, of of Damon. I sent uh, sent them an email saying, "Okay, I'm ready to ready to talk now." And then they explained that it was Black Panther. And then they said, um, "And it's going to be like a really wonderful writer. It's going to be news making." And I was just like, "Okay, well, uh, let me see the script." Mm -hmm. And they were like, "Well, we don't have the script ready, <laughs> you know, but we want to know if you want to do it." And I was just like, ah. I don't commit to books until I've read the script right. or at least know what the plot of the uh, of the story is. And they were like, "Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll get you this the plot," <laughs> you know. And um, and like a week later, they sent the plot of the uh, of the story my way, which they should have fired me. But um, <laughs> but they sent the plot to the uh, to the story, and it, it was just absolutely like one of the things that that bothers me more than anything else is working on something terrible. Um, that's and you know when when you have to pay rent and stuff like that you don't really have a choice but when you're working on something that's uh, poorly written or you're working on something that's absolutely terrible mm -hmm. it's just like um, you know art which is this thing that's the absolute most precious thing that you can be doing but when you're in a sense asked to do something terrible you're like sitting there going I'm working on something that's awful. Right, it's like using your yeah. powers for evil. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, it's just like that's that's where supervillains come from. Right. <laughs> you know? and, uh, well, it's interesting to think about. I don't know who, I honestly don't know who else they would call for a relaunch Black Panther. Mm, yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's really. I mean, it's kind of cool. You know, that, I was looking that, through the back, and there's like there's like a Strowman drawing in there. Mm, yeah, and I was just like, I mean. 15 years ago, I would have called him too, but yeah, yeah, I don't he know what he's up to yeah, these he days. Would have, he would have been a good guy. But, uh, but, and, uh, and I think one of the things that they wanted to do is, uh, is I've always been into storytelling, mm -hmm. and I've always been into sort of the, um, really the scholarship of comic book paneling and all that oh, stuff. And, uh, and I've been always, uh, like I've had long conversations with uh, Will Moss, the editor, mm -hmm. um, back when I did the uh, Jonah Hex um, uh, one shot. And, what was cool was he basically remembered all of that and kind of went, well, this is Tanahase's first comic book, right. so let's get this guy who knows about comic book storytelling right. to try to, you know, sort of show him what to do, and uh, and that was like a lot of fun. That's my my big nit nitpick nitpick in the marketing of the book is that if you look at the cover, it has Coates' name gigantic and it says illustrated by Brian Stelfreeze. Um, I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, you're not oh, no, as no, big no. a Stelfreeze fan yeah. as some other well, people. The weird, the weird thing about it is, is uh, you know, if you, if you pay any attention to my career, I try my best to be as invisible as possible. <laughs> yeah. I, had a, I had a funny conversation with a friend of mine, a uh, fantastic artist named Ron Wimberly, who does a, a book called Prince of Cats. Yeah, 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 he's amazing. And, uh, and we were talking about Black Panther and I was like, Stelfreeze book, and he was like, and, and he mentioned Coates, and I was like, yeah, they, I don't know. It's some <laughs> yeah, new guy? Who is this And he guy? was, like, so offended. And he was like, <laughs> oh some new God. guy? 
And I was like, I, I read comics. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about those well, books that's, that's, pictures. Well, the weird thing about it is when they when they uh, said his name, when they said, oh, yeah, Tanahase Coates is going. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that guy. And, you know, he does really wonderful articles. I think uh, I think it'll be awesome. And my, my serious thought was, well, I mean, people in comics won't really know him, so... And it'll be a little book. I guess the cool thing is it brings people to comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't take into consideration that there are more people outside of comics than inside of comics. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be kind of where things are going. I didn't, I didn't calculate the rest of the world right. <laughs> yeah. sort of into my equation. Well, I wonder if that changes how you feel about your work when you, because the readership does change, has mm-hmm. been changing so dramatically. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, the um, the the really cool thing about it is uh, is I do this thing, and I'm constantly trying to figure out what it is that uh, that I'm doing. And what's really nice is uh, I even I come to conventions to try to see if people are if if I'm just doing stuff on my own, or if people are actually getting you know, the uh, the stuff that I'm that I'm doing, and uh, and. No matter what book I do, uh, I think the fans have some influence on on the uh, the art that I do. I'm not one of these like uh, artists that like takes pictures of himself smelling his fingers and like <laughs> talks about like the fact that I'm doing my art for myself. Right. It's well, your like, social I, media I don't do a really... single piece of art for myself. Right. Everything is for other oh, people. Yeah, I was gonna say your social media is really like your your someone else runs your Twitter and your Facebook, yeah. is it? Mm-hmm. which to me feels like. Uh, it, it's probably I, it gives me this idea that you've like backed away from things that aren't making the work. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, I'm I'm just an old man, you know. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm like uh, it's it's weird because uh, for me, um, social media, I think is I can see that it's a cool thing, but uh, but I actually like talking to people mm-hmm. you know I actually like having that one-to-one interaction like with a person and uh, I say incredibly blasphemous things <laughs> you know on a, on a on a regular basis yeah I uh, when I talk I have very little filter happening and and I understand that that doesn't translate well Brandon. online <laughs> yeah, so so um and um so so I never got into Facebook or uh, Twitter or any of that stuff and okay. um, and my my good friend Robert uh, we've been buddies for like more than thirty years now uh, he's the guy that kept saying dude you need to get a Facebook page dude you need to get a Twitter and uh, and I was just like yeah 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 I'll do it I'll do it you know while I'm chasing kids off my lawn right. um, <laughs> but like uh, but then finally Robert called up and said okay I've done a Facebook page and I've done a Twitter page for you mm-hmm. you know every once in a while I'm gonna ask you questions right. <laughs> so so he's pretty much running it and well, it's uh, cool to see the process mm-hmm. because oh, all this yeah. stuff doesn't make yeah. it print mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's the stuff that I'm into more than anything else is uh, is just just uh, I love making comics, and I love the process of making comics. So, anytime I can share that stuff is a lot of fun. I was showing Brandon the uh, blog spot. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you do that? The, the actual yeah, the, the blog spot. That's actually um, something I, I I did do until uh, laziness took me over. Um, but it, but it's something that I plan on getting back to. Mm-hmm. And through there, you you go through every or not every stage, but a lot of stages of putting together yeah. the painting, like looking at the drawing. The oh, yeah. drawing and how you kind of compose the colors and bring the colors together, which yeah, I found yeah. really interesting because you don't really see a lot of that depth of process within this. Yeah, and I, I think even even with uh, with art schools, uh, if you ask your average person 
who's in art school, uh, they're unhappy with, uh, with what they're learning. Uh, and I think uh, a lot of times uh, art school isn't really getting down into the weeds. It's not getting down into the foundation work. And, uh, and that's the type of stuff that I like to share on my blog. I mean, I went to art school for, for a year before I, uh, I bailed. And uh, I was lucky in that I hooked up with some old illustrators that really, that was when my education really began. Uh, and now that I'm an old illustrator, you know, I'm trying to do the same thing that those guys did, which is really pass on as much of this stuff as possible. Hmm. What kind of illustration were they? Were the people that were teaching this stuff? Doing? It was a commercial uh, illustration, um, uh, and it was commercial illustration in the '80s. So mm -hmm. it was like a lot of airbrush stuff. You know, a lot of uh, really sort of shiny, slick. Technique. Was it hard for you to give up the airbrush? Mm -hmm. Oh, dude. There's it guys was, airbrushing here today. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it was so hard. Yeah, the airbrush was just, and really, the airbrush in the 80s was Photoshop now. Right. You know, where it's like if you had an airbrush, you were on the cutting edge of technology. Right. You know, <clears throat> whereas now it's just like, ah, it's just an old. You probably don't miss cleaning the airbrush. Mm -hmm. Well, that's like when someone uses the airbrush, you're not really an airbrush artist, you're an airbrush cleaner. <laughs> you know, because what you do is you, you break out the airbrush which you didn't clean the last time you put it away, and you have to spend 30 minutes cleaning it. And after spending 30 minutes cleaning it and getting it working, and hopefully you've got air in your tank, and then you get the pigment in there and you go for 10 minutes. And then you have to break it down and clean it and put away the tank, and that's it. So, so that, that process of like, oh my God, it's taking me a long time just to get to the 10 minutes of airbrushing. How long would, say, Batman Shadow of um, generally, uh, I'm I'm pretty quick when I'm doing uh, illustration work. Um, so most of the covers on uh, Shadow of the Bat uh, took uh, about a day. Okay. Um, and uh, and the weird the weird thing is is uh, I don't like going to sleep when I'm working on something. So generally, I'll get up in the morning and go, "This cover's getting done today," and I'll just like work until the cover's uh, done. Do you find it's a, do, do you approach it very differently when you're doing sequential work? Oh, it's a completely different head. Uh, and not only is it a completely different head, one completely screws up the other. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, with, with doing covers, my whole thing is, is everybody, look over here. You know, I'm just really trying to be like, you know, the carnival barker and really right. getting eyes, you know, sort of on the piece, trying to grab you from, a, from across the comic book shop. Uh, but when I'm doing interiors, it's the opposite attitude, which is don't just move on, just move on. You know, every every panel that I try to do, I try to minimize uh, the art as much as necessary to get your eyes to slide from panel to panel, rather than getting you to stop and look at that one panel as if you're moving through a gallery. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's a so it's a different uh, different head. And what I find is that. When I'm doing nothing but interior pages, like right now I'm doing a lot of Black Panther, which is most of the work that I'm doing is interior pages. When someone asks me to do a cover, it's generally this crazy designy, you know, really simplistic right. cover. But if I'm doing illustration and cover work, and then someone asks me to do interiors, I do the most slowest, arduous, like, you uh -huh. know, sort of panels. So, uh, so it's, it's really hard to get from one head to the other. Hmm. 
And, and does the, you mentioned before the 12 gauge stuff, kind of the film influence, does that influence your storytelling at all in comics? Oh, the, I didn't understand. Um, Carl Story's sister-in-law um, is a, she was a, a UCLA film graduate. And uh, I got together with her and we started talking film and she was just like, oh, well, let me show you the stuff from the film courses that I took. So she, we would get together like uh, a couple of times a week and she would like show me a film and would just break down the UCLA breakdown of like, oh, this is what you're looking for in this film. And that just blew my mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just opened up a whole new world of storytelling. Uh, and then I found that, oh, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 60% of this information I can drag into comics. Um, but with comics, you then have to invent your own. Right. You know? and, uh, and that's one of the cool things about doing comics is comics has been around for like under 100 years, but there's no real formal way of doing it. So everyone that's thrown into comics is just like, okay, son, swim. So, mm -hmm. um, so like most of the people doing comics out there are really inventing the medium, uh, and the medium is constantly evolving, constantly being uh, reinvented. And uh, one of the things that I think is, is really cool is uh, there's a lot of uh, women coming into comics now, yes, and they're bringing something completely different to the table. And I am just like paying attention to them and ripping them off <laughs> because it's <laughs> because it's really awesome, you know. And um, and you know, again, the influence of manga, mm -hmm. um, the manga artists, uh, the Japanese artists, who were doing something completely different. They were illustrating action in a way that us Americans just didn't even fathom. And okay. now, now that that showed up, we're like, oh my god! And I assume so, that must have been uh, certainly the name of Gaijin. Oh yeah, yeah, huge. Well, it's 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 the name of uh, of Gaijin, but uh, but we didn't realize just how offensive <laughs> that was. <laughs> it's like you'd rethink it now. Oh yeah, yeah. The um the the weirdest thing is uh is like because uh, I mean technically the words mean uh, outside man, mm -hmm. um, but. Uh, like uh, it's and and I'm sorry if I offend the Japanese, but like, to the Japanese, that's the highest insult they can visit upon you. Oh, right. Is saying you are not Japanese. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, so so it's just like so I thought oh man that's you know we we just thought oh that's a hilarious right. insult. So, what would happen if you got a Japanese artist mm -hmm. in the studio? Oh Maybe. yeah. Well um, <laughs> well what's uh what's weird is uh is I went to Japan um for a comic artist summit mm -hmm. and it was like a really big deal very formal and everything and and everyone's dressed in suits and ties. And um, and the uh, MC gets up and he's like introducing everyone and uh, and you know I could I can't make out what he's saying it's all Japanese and then he just kind of goes Gaijin Studios <laughs> like everyone just Women like faint just, <laughs> the whole audience was just like <laughs> yeah, I'm like oh man <laughs> just like, wow. I was like, this is my opener with the audience. <laughs> so it was like uh, really, really kind of fun. We've, we've we ran into issues with that name a bunch of times. How but, interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. How, have, does your work, your work must be get around the world a fair amount. Have mm -hmm. you had much interaction with international readers? Yeah, yeah, I've had, um, uh, especially in the last uh, couple of years, um, like uh, for a while I wasn't doing international shows, but, uh, but now I'm starting to do a, a few more. And uh, and I'm really surprised. I mean, it's 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 kind of um, shocking uh, to see like 
what's what's weird is uh, I went to Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got back from there. Yeah, and and it's just like that was just one of those places that oh man, I'd love to go to Australia, and and I went there, and I saw this in the bookstores. Oh, well, what's what what blew me away was that I first of all had fans in Australia. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like really, you know, kid from South Carolina, really Australia, but like. These people were so hardcore mm-hmm. about comics in general, and um, they have to be. They cost like twice as much. Oh like. yeah, yeah. It's just like there's no casual comic yeah. book fan in Australia. Everyone's just like hardcore. Um, but the thing that blew me away more than uh, anything was uh, was like there was like a group of girls from Singapore, mm-hmm. and and I'm like, okay, first of all, you're girls, so. <laughs> you know, you're not serious about comics, but uh, but they were hardcore fans of the stuff that I did, and I was just like, "Come on, you know, really?" And they were like, "Oh yeah," and they were like, you know, uh, and I didn't really understand that because to me, Singapore is is way over there somewhere, and Australia is way over there somewhere. Right. Uh, but they're actually way over there, kind of close. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but they came to the show, and they were hanging out, and. They knew more about my work than I did, mm-hmm. and it was just really kind of like mind blowing to see that level of fan commitment uh, to the to the work. So nice. it was like really, really kind of cool. And um, uh, while I was in Australia, I got to uh, to visit like a couple of uh, art schools and give some uh, some talks and, and things like that there. So it was like it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, um, and uh, just got back from uh, from Mexico and. Uh, uh, Mexico City, and nice. same same kind of thing. It was a, uh, and I didn't I didn't think about the fact that oh I've never been to that city before or that country before mm-hmm. outside of um, uh, going uh, just across the, uh, like the Tijuana border, during the Tijuana. San Diego. Convention. But that that doesn't count. <laughs> 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 that's like that's like going going to Windsor and say you've been to Canada. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, uh, but what was um what was weird was uh was like. Okay, in the United States, I've signed every copy of Shadow of the Bat. They're all signed, <laughs> you know, sort of in the United just at States. At the printer. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had enough time to, to catch up on all of them. But in Mexico, there's a bunch of them that I haven't signed yet. Mm-hmm. So people were showing up with, like, stacks, you know, sort of. Yeah, of, uh, people of that, have, that have been reading your work their entire, mm, yeah. their entire lives and never interacted uh, yeah. with you as a person. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the weirdest thing is, like, having, like, you know, sort of a, you know, sort of, a guy and his family, you know, uh, and him saying, "Yeah, I read your books when I was a kid," and it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like "Wow!" <laughs> and your daughter's going to college now. <laughs> uh, I got the the five minute wave, so I thought we should have a couple minutes for questions if anyone has anything. We're knocking it out. Look at us. Yeah. And, and if, they, if anyone doesn't, there, I also wanted to get into the the Eisner Japan stories that I ah totally cool. Which I found very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, the the coolest thing, and and Eisner, uh, Will Eisner, is kind of the mecca of of comics. I mean, he he. A lot of the things that we understand as comics is stuff that was invented by Will Eisner. Um, so he's like was always the grandfather of comics. And uh, what was awesome was when I got invited to that uh, comic book summit in Japan. Uh, one of the other people that was invited was Will Eisner, and I'd always thought uh, there's, you know, other than seeing him at a convention and going, oh, there he is, um, I never thought I'd get to meet or get to know Will Eisner. But now, it's like we're in Japan, and you know, hey, 
I speak English. So, uh, so it was kind of cool. We, uh, we hung out, um, you know, my, my girlfriend, uh, Will Eisner and his wife, we hung out for like a week and, uh, and we got to have uh, breakfast and dinner uh, every morning and afternoon with, uh, with Will Eisner. And he would just tell some of the most fantastic stories. And, and it was like, he was more into talking shop than I was. I mean, it was like really just wonderful uh, getting, getting that experience with him. And, uh, and that was, that was right at the moment I was kind of going, well, I'm going to become a comic book artist. Mm -hmm. Not a cover artist, but a comic book artist. And it was cool to have Will Eisner show up you know, in that moment. He just yoded you. Yeah, yeah just, just, kind of, just kind of beamed in and, uh, and was just like, uh, you know, let me tell you, son. And, uh, and, and you know, it's, it's kind of sad, but, uh, but uh, another cool thing is, um, is Will Eisner uh, made a visit to uh, Atlanta, mm -hmm. and um, we got in, got in touch, and we went to dinner uh, with him, and we hung out, had a wonderful time. He was just giving out sage advice, and mm -hmm. uh, and it was like, you know, I was like, as I'm always the angry man complaining about editors and everything like that, and he um, he said, I think, one of the most profound things, which was, you know, he listened to me patiently complain, and then, you know, sort of just dropped a nuke on me, where he kind of went, that quality control, he said, quality control is comics, is completely up to the creators. Hmm. He said uh, that quality is actually detrimental to the editors and publishing because, because it takes a lot of time. Yeah, it slows it down. You know, and, uh, and he said, for the most part, when you're working for Marvel or DC, you're producing product for them. You're actually drawing widgets. And mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter to a certain extent what people are on the books, the books are going to sell a certain amount. Mm -hmm. And he said, so the quality is up to you. And he said, so really, that's going to happen for the rest of your life until you do your own thing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just like, oh, my God. And, uh, and it was just like really cool kind of hanging out with him. And uh, what ended up happening was one week later to that day, um, he died. Hmm. But, uh, but he was just an awesome guy. Nice. Just a really, really great I, guy. I, I feel like I have to broach the subject of if you had any awkward ebony conversations with him. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I let him slide on that one. <laughs> I remember... I gave, uh, I gave Will a break. <laughs> remember the relaunch? They did a relaunch of it at some point, and they, they were trying to figure out what to do with ebony. Oh, man. I'd lean into it, man. Just lean into yeah, the Yeah, what would you have yeah. done? Hmm? Dude, I would, I would have just said, hey, man, I'm a ra I was a racist. <laughs> I was racist. I got just over. have the spirit saying that on <laughs> yeah. the pages. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, totally. You know, I mean, the, the thing about it is, is what's what's weird is, uh, is the zeitgeist constantly changes. Right. You know, and um, and um, you've got to like lean into the stuff of the past. You mm -hmm. can't like, well, let's pretend that that doesn't exist. You right. Know? It's just like just that was there. You know, that was there. That existed. It is what it is. Um, don't try to hide from it. Understand that it may have been offensive mm -hmm. and then move forward mm. you know i think uh, i think that's that's the way to do it it's uh, it's it's when people try to whitewash stuff i think right. that's that's when you get into problems mm. you know so uh, so yeah and uh, and what's weird is i was a kid reading that stuff and i loved it right. <laughs> you know it's like i wasn't like old enough to understand i should be offended right. by this you know i just really thought it was kind of cool huh nice are we are we dead on time i think we are i'm getting the nod Mm -hmm. The nod. The nod. Oh, well, yeah. Thank you, you very much, Brian, for, for 
for talking to us. Yeah. Well, thanks, yeah. sir. Thanks, thanks for so hanging out. For everyone for thank you guys for joining us. It's the Brad Masterman. Big Pimpin' Babies.